morning. If you have a Bible, uh, we're going to start in Philippians 3.20, and then we're going to be in 1 Peter 2.11 and 12. If you use a new version, uh, that's the Bible app. You can follow along on there, and everything is there for you. Philippians 3.20, as we begin here in just a minute. Thanks for being here this morning, and thanks for those who are joining us online, and for the Kindred Church. And for traditions, if you need a Bible, slip a hand up. We've got ushers right here who can get one to you. Um, Kindred, uh, just a quick announcement, Kindred Church is celebrating their one-year anniversary next week. Isn't that crazy? That's exciting. There's some really cool things happening there. There's some really cool stories coming out of uh, what's happening in Kindred. And just uh, glad to be that we are one church in that um, if you want to know what's going on here at Bethel, lots of things happening. Check out the bulletin. Check us out online. Uh, just stay caught up to some of the things that are happening. If you're new here, we encourage you to take that white card, fill it out, and drop it in the offering box on the back wall on your way out. I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Home implies safety, security, a place of familiarity. Belonging, a place of dwelling, comfort, a place of acceptance. If you're following along, first of all, I want to talk about the truth that home is where the heart is. Philippians 3.20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Earlier in this chapter in Philippians, um, Paul sets it all up by talking uh, what it means, uh, this idea in his eyes of this goal and, and that he's pressing on with everything, every ounce of being, everything in him. And what the people heard him saying as they listen and what we hear him saying is, look, he's like, I'm not there yet. Let's just get that, let's just get that on the table. Let's just get that clear. And this is Paul talking. He said, I'm not there yet. I have not obtained all of this. I do not fully understand everything. But this one thing I do know, this is what he said, this is what I know. I am going to press on with everything that I have. I'm going to do whatever it takes to reach the goal. Have you ever set a goal with that kind of determination? I realize how hard it'll be, but Paul said, that's where I'm going. I realize that there'll be days that won't feel like working so hard at it anymore. I realize that sometimes there will be collisions, but Christ is my goal. Nation Highway Patrol says that 52% of collisions happen within five miles of where we live. Over half of all collisions within five miles of where we live. And, and, and the simple reason is, they say, is because we stop really paying attention. There'll be collisions in this life. I realize how much commitment and dedication it will take, but I'm heading to the finish line, is what Paul is saying. He was focused, he, he was resolute, knowing full well that his commitment and his determination would not be easy that there would be days that would be messy. There would be days that would be excruciating. There would be days that would be hard and painful. There'd be days that he'd want to give up and say, you know what, I can't do this. 
Pressing on uh, in this passage is a hunting term, meaning to chase down or, or, or to hunt down. Are we chasing after God with this, with this hunter's mentality? And he says, this one thing I do. So I'm not there yet. I haven't done all this. I'm not perfect. But he says, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. There are things from our past that if we let them, every single one of us, if we could just take time to tell our stories, things from our past, if we let them, that will entangle us, that will trap us, that will tie us up. Knowing full well the potential negative impact of a person's past, Paul says, forget what is behind. Focus your attention on what is ahead of you. Don't allow the things of the past to keep your heart focused on the wrong address. It's not to say that the things from our past aren't important because I think you can hear me say that in what I just said. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying the things from, this, from your past aren't important. It's simply to say that the things from our past help shape us, but the things from our past don't define us. And that kind of leans into a little bit of this idea of when we think about the past, often one of the things that first comes to our mind is the idea of forgiveness. Because sometimes when we talk about the past, we think of forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgive and forget, right? Forgiveness frees us to forget. Walking in the freedom of forgiveness. Guys, we're human. And we hear, we hear that all the time, forgive and forget. It's not that easy, is it? And sometimes we want to walk through that process of forgiveness when we're talking about the past and Paul said, forget the past. We're like, I, I want to forget the past, but, but something has happened or things have happened or relational things have happened and I just can't forget. We're human. Look, God is the only one who can forget. He says, I'll remove it from the east as the west as far as a part as you can possibly go. But when we walk in forgiveness, it gives this freedom to remember it less and less. Our heart cannot be at two places at once. Your heart is always where you believe home is. If you want your heart to be in the right place, you must decide where home is. And there's really only two choices. We're either already at home or we're heading home, but not both. Where your home is is where your heart will also be. And then other places in scripture it talks about where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. So they just follow one another. Your heart and your treasures will always follow where your home is. Have you decided where that is? In the book, Gentle and Lonely, Lowly, not Lonely, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland writes, and if you haven't read that book, I encourage you to. The heart in biblical terms is not a part of who we are, but the center of who we are. Our heart is what defines and directs us. This is why Solomon tells us to keep the heart with all vigilance. vigilance. For from it flows the springs of life, and that's Proverbs 4.23. So if you haven't read that book, Gentle and lowly. 
So it's this idea of decide where home is and watch how everything else in this life begins to align. Home is this, this deep longing inside of all of us that, that will affect every single area of our life. It will affect our decisions and our passions and our focus and our purpose. Everything in this life ought to be looked at through your citizenship. A believer's passport says heaven. I like how Eugene Peterson writes regarding Matthew 6. If you decide for God, live in a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes that are in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food that you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes that you hang on your body. Look at the birds, they're free and unfettered not tied down by a job description, careless in the care of God. And you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by more than an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never ever seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you and do what's best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way that he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, in God initiative, in God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may be or what might happen tomorrow or what may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. I love how he writes about Matthew 6 and maybe you're familiar with that passage. But back to verse 20 in Philippians, believers need to yearn for home. Are you homesick? Is this this unexplainable aching going on inside of you? Do you experience that? Most of the people who lived in Philippi had their citizenship in Rome, a far off place where many of them had never even visited. They'd never even been there. A citizen of Rome was expected to live a life that represented the interests of Rome even though they didn't belong there, even though they didn't live there, even though they'd never been there. Our citizenship is in heaven. That's what Paul's saying. And we're to live a life that represents the interests of heaven, even though we have never been there. It's that idea of living the here and now, but not for the here and now. I I like to use the acronym LIFE. When we think about all of this, live intentionally for eternity. 
In verse 20, it says that we eagerly await, which means tiptoe with anticipation. That's what the idea is. We tiptoe with anticipation. We eagerly wait. Verse 21, when Christ returns, the idea is the race is completely over. The the journey is complete. Everything that we've pressed on for will now be in our presence. Everything that we've strived for will now be in our presence. And the prize of Christ will be available to everyone who entered the race. Everyone who's a child of God. Everyone who surrendered their life to Christ. And at that moment, the tiredness of the race will turn to joy. The exhaustion will turn to celebration. It'll be everything that you could possibly imagine and so much more. Press on by doing the next thing. Some of you already know what God is asking you to do. You've been seeking him, you've been reading words, you've been praying, you've been seeking counsel, and God has been telling you what the next thing is that you're to do in this transformation process as you're heading home. And it's this encouragement, do the next thing. This journey is such that he will give you just enough light for today. Not too much light because we'll get way ahead of him. Not too little light because we'll lag behind him. But the scripture says that he will give you just, just worry about today, just today. And keep your eyes fixed on him today. Secondly, don't take your shoes off. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12 says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they excuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Again, I like how Eugene Peterson phrases this. He says this, Friends, this world is not your home. This is not your home. So don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live a life in your neighborhood so that your actions will refute their prejudice. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. In Peter, 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12, we are told that we are aliens. That's a word that's used. Living in a time and a place that we're just visiting. We're just visiting here. And when you visit someone's home, you don't act though as though you live there. You know that someday you're going to be leaving. And so you stay accordingly. The average lifespan is 39 million 420,000 minutes. And at first glance, that seems like a lot. But when you take every single one of those minutes and you cram them together and you squish them all together, it becomes this little itty bitty dot on the timeline of eternity. And the Bible tells us that our life is like the blink of an eye when it's compared to eternity. It's so easy to get entangled with this life. Our wants and our preferences. What if instead we got entangled with our eternal life? That this life begins to feel more like a training period. We were created and given this very brief life here on this earth to glorify God. 
And, and I, I don't know about you, but the older I get and the more life that I live and the more experience that I have, I'm gaining this incredible urgency in my heart and this incredible urgency in my mind, knowing that I only have so many minutes left in this life to become nothing and make God everything. The Christian life really could be summed up by saying, we're just taking the long way home. Let's work through a couple of these verses. Verse 11, he begins in 1 Peter, he says, Dear friends, I urge you. So here's Peter, similar to Paul in that sense. He begins in a similar way. He says, I urge you. Or maybe we could interpret, I plead with you. I absolutely beg you. And then he goes on to address for who we are. He says, I plead with you as aliens and strangers in this world. Other places in, in Bible or other translations refer to us as pilgrims passing through or ambassadors representing our true country, which is, which is heaven. With our citizenship in heaven while we live on this earth, we live in what's called a foreign land. This place ought to seem foreign to us. We ought to feel and experience as though something's missing. Aliens we are. We can either spend our whole life trying to make earth our home, which it was never intended to be, or we can claim our true identity, that idea of who am I, that's the series that we're in, accepting the fact that we are mere aliens and strangers in this world and accept the fact that this is not our home. All of us at one time or another, if not right now, are attempting to have this world give us something it was never intended to. When we live believing that this world can and will satisfy us, we're in for a, a really big letdown every single time. And I've experienced that and I know you have too. We cannot make this world do something it was never meant to do. And yet strangely enough, every believer has a deep longing inside of them for home. Every single believer. God in his perfect design, uh, it says in Ecclesiastes, has set eternity in the hearts of man. Every, every person created in his image, he set eternity in their heart. And we long for a place we have never set eyes on or have never experienced. And that's crazy. It's kind of like a homing, what do you call it, a homing beacon that he's put inside of us. And some will pay attention to it, and some will ignore it. I must admit, to be called a pilgrim, okay, an ambassador, my privilege, but this idea of an alien, right? The description of alien means belonging to another. That's what it means. So we're foreigners from another nation, resident aliens. And our time here on earth is, is this blip, on the, again, on the screen of eternity. It's like when we say to a person when we're traveling and they're about to drive through a really, really small town, what do we say? Don't blink because you will. That's the idea here. That's how fast life goes. Uh, the time that we have here on this earth is like a small town that we pass through. Larry Crabb in his book, Inside Out, another good book, writes, 
Ever since God expelled Adam and Eve from the garden, we have lived in an unnatural environment, a world in which we were not designed to live. We were built to enjoy a garden without weeds and relationships without friction, fellowship without distance. But something is wrong, and we know it, both within our world and within ourselves, right? The world should become less and less familiar to us while the world that awaits should become more and more familiar. And the difficulty for us as Christians is living year after year in a land that is foreign and not becoming so familiar with it that it begins to feel like our home. Well, if being called an alien wasn't enough, Peter goes on to say that we are also considered strangers. That's another word that he uses, or it could be said foreigners in some translations. So to be considered a foreigner means to be a guest in a private family. That's the idea behind that phrase, a guest in a private family. So as opposed to the members of the family, one without the rights of citizenship as distinguished from a citizen. So you're a guest in a private family. I think you're probably starting to get the picture what you see, what you experience, what you can touch, what you can feel, what you can talk to, is not what you get. What you see is not what you get. What you see is temporary. We are merely guests passing through. Everything is temporary, possessions, relationships, life. It's all temporary. And so why then are we so willing to give so much of our attention and place so much of our focus and burn so much energy in a world that we weren't made for? Maybe because we have not yet been convinced that there's something greater than this. Whenever we go on vacation, whether we stay at someone's house or in a hotel, I have the tendency to not unpack. Maybe this is a guy thing, like I bring my suitcase in and, and I just put it on the floor and I open it up and I live out of the suitcase. That's easier for me, right? My traveling partner, to remain unnamed, is opposite of that. She likes to take everything out, even if we're only there a day or two, put everything in the drawers, hang everything up and, and uh, we're, we're, just, we're just different that way. And it's this idea of, um, you know, when you go into somebody's house, and they say, hey, take your shoes off and stay a while. My challenge to you and Peter's challenge to you and Paul's challenge to you is don't take your shoes off. We're not staying here. The second part of verse 11 says, as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Other translations use the labels aliens and strangers in this world. All of them, whether we're called foreigners or exiles or aliens or strangers, we are encouraged to not give up or into the indulgence of sensual appetites or to the soft pleasures of the soul. That's what he's saying. He says, while you're here, abstain from sinful desires, or again, as Eugene Peterson said it, don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. And so our, though our citizenship is in heaven and though we, we have a home that is waiting for us right now, we're living, um, and not to minimize what's happening across the world, but we're living in a war zone. 
The evil one is waging war by doing everything he can to lure you into believing that the flesh can, in fact, be satisfied. This pattern keeps our focus here and ultimately uses our time and our talents and our treasures for our own kingdom as we build it here instead of God's kingdom. It's a matter of focus. Um, This last week I was invited uh, to go to a shooting range. Not sure why, but um, the only gun I've ever shot was at a skeet shoot event in, in Iowa. And that's when I learned that um, even though I'm right-handed, I'm actually a left-eye dominant because I couldn't, I couldn't shoot anything. And so that was my excuse. And so the guy says, try shooting left-handed. And I could do that and I could see everything then. Well, this shooting range uh, here in Fargo we went to, and I gotta be honest, I've never touched a handgun, never shot a handgun, uh, don't even know how to look, don't know anything about it. But um, the person that was there uh, showed us how to do that. And you get this own, probably maybe you've been there, I don't know. So I brought my, I wonder if we can zoom in on this, pretty impressed with this. This, this was after about 2,000 bullets at four feet away. Um, and, and, and the guy that was helping me kept saying, you know, you're do, actually you're doing really good. Right, yeah, you're doing really good. But one thing that he explained to me is that, um, you, you know, you wanna get more towards the center here. And that was a surprise to me. And, but the closer that these holes get together, they're, they're, they're in groupings means that you're becoming more accurate and, you're, and your focus is better. Verse 12. I'll come back to that. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong. Have you ever had anybody accuse you of doing wrong? they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Our good works towards those who have not yet trusted Christ is a display of God's love and his grace in our lives. It demonstrates to an unbelieving world the change that God has made in our lives. Everything we do ought to point to a different home. If we learn to accept and live as aliens and as strangers in the here and now, hopefully the unbelieving world will be so intrigued by this foreign lifestyle. And one of the things that foreigners will often hear as they live among the locals is this, you are not from this area, are you? Because they're not familiar with all of the things that locals are familiar with. What if we lived our lives with our hearts so focused on home I have to get better. Because this kind of represents my life. If this was my true home, if this was heaven, I have one in that circle, but I'm spraying bullets all over the place. I'm not very focused. So many didn't even hit this. What if we lived our lives with our hearts focused on home? I think we might hear or at least have people think, you're not from here, are you? 
And as believers, we must become okay with living as a foreigner and not being from these parts. And if heaven, not earth, is going to be our home, then we have to acknowledge that we're surrounded by this war zone with evil and doing everything in his power to distract us and and to destroy us. And yet, get this, we don't have to live as a POW. He's waging war. He's waging war on your soul, on your life, on your mind, on your heart. He's waging war on your family. He's waging war on your marriage. He's waging war in every aspect of your life, but you don't have to live as a POW. God has and will give us victory. And the pattern that we see in scripture, which is the evil one's bread and butter is this, the lust of the eyes leads to the craving of the flesh, which gives us this idea that when we partake in this world, we have this sense of boasting. The eyes lead to the flesh, leads to pride. Believing that we've got it all figured out and how to satisfy the cravings of our flesh. This pattern keeps our focus here and ultimately it uses our time and talents and treasures. Let us live in such a way that even though the skeptics and the non-believers would like to deny what we stand for, they cannot deny how we live. That either we came from a great line of monkeys or that the God that we claim to believe in is real and he's transforming our lives right before their eyes. The way you live your life will always play a piece in how another person views God. Whenever you move from one address to another, you have to do a change of address. And you've experienced that, no doubt. And the the goal is, is that all your mail will continue to come to your new address. But we all know that there's always this lag, right? And oftentimes what goes to the old addresses, which we don't really care about, is all the junk mail. Maybe you get, maybe you know the person you're about to, they're calling you like, we got more mail for you, we got more mail for you. Would you change your address, would you change your address? Yes, I did that. Have you changed your address? In your mind and in your heart, have you changed your address? That's your home. This is not your home. And it's okay if junk mail stays here. Let me leave you with one thing. It's this idea of a common phrase that I've used is live in the here and now, of course. Live in the here and now. But not for the here and now. Check your focus. Are you hitting the target? Check your address. Father, thank you for this great morning. Thank you for your word and just the great challenge from your, from your word, Lord, that um, our citizenship is in heaven.
and that we are aliens and strangers and exiles and foreigners. We're just passing through this land and, and thank you for this life. But I don't want to waste it. And I know that my friends here, we don't want to waste our lives. God, would you help us to renew our focus? Um, maybe to look at our target and, and, and to be able to see, wow, my life is all over the place. But much of what I'm doing isn't even hitting the target. If in fact our target is you and our eternal home. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the hope that you give us. And I praise you for the grace that you give us as we walk this journey. Thank you for the light for today. In Jesus' name, amen.